Well, I'm so glad to be able to be here with you today on this Christmas uh, uh, weekend. Uh, it's Christmas Eve. Tonight we're going to have a great service. We want you to go ahead and come on out one hour long, and uh, we want you to invite some guests. Hopefully you've been taking those tickets, you've been putting them in people's hands and being saying, be here tonight, all right, and, and celebrate with us uh, the coming of our Savior to this earth. Such an awesome time of the year. I'm so thankful to have my daughter here for the second week in a row. You didn't see her last week, so I'll have her stand up right now. There we go. There's Whitney. There we go. Mama's there in, uh, in the nursery doing things again, but uh, we're so glad to have her. She's going to be moving down to Miami and uh, doing ministry there uh, at the, after the first of the year. So we have the privilege of being able to go down with her and seeing her, her new uh, place where she's going to be next week over the course of the next week and a half. And so we'll appreciate your prayers and uh, get to see Wallace uh, tomorrow. Going to be leaving tonight after service a, a little bit later. And uh, then we're going to travel part of the way and then get there and be with him for Christmas uh, lunch or dinner or something. I told him, do something special. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. What, what's that going to look like? All right. But he's there in an apartment by himself. He's truly batching it. All right. But anyway, it's, uh, it's going to be enjoyable no matter what. My mom and dad will be traveling with uh, myself and Val, and, and it's going to be great. Whitney's going back to uh, over to actually Nebraska. So, um what a joy it is in these times, as Ann was talking about, to get together. And, and for all of us who've been young for a long period of time and didn't appreciate it when our, when our parents tried to get us together and their grandparents and such like that. And, and then our kids are growing up and getting to the place to where they're not hanging out with us as much and having to travel here and travel there. It aches. How many of you felt that ache? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I got good news for you. It's a subject matter today. The king is coming. Come on, say, the king is coming. Yes, it's so important for us to realize that we are not doing all of this just for ritual. We're not doing this just for tradition. We're celebrating something that God has put into play a long time ago, all right? And it was actually before the very foundations of the earth. But not only that, but then he put those things into motion in, as far as in our human world and our humanity. And Jesus Christ came as a babe. And, and in Zechariah chapter 9, go ahead and turn that next slide if you would, please. There we go. It says, Rejoice greatly, people of Jerusalem. Shout for joy, people of Jerusalem. Your king is coming to you. He does what is right and he saves. Look at your neighbor and say, he saves. <laughs> he saves. Now, lots of people don't know what that means, all right? But uh, I, I'm so thankful that, that we can recognize those who have been redeemed, what it really means to us that the king is coming to save us, all right? Now, we talked about in the very, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about that Jesus is coming or the king is coming, just like the prophet said, to shake some things up. Look at your neighbor, give a little shake to him. Come on, make sure they're awake, all right? Yep. And you do that every five minutes if you have to, all right, whatever. But, uh, you know, and then oh, last week we talked about to bring a blessing, this week we're talking about how important it is that the king is coming to bring good news. That is the gospel. Gospel, all right, is the good news. We say, well, why is it good news? Well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. How many of you ever heard anyone say that before? All right, you have. I know that I have. And, um, you know, sometimes they'll ask the question, what do you want to hear first? And most often people will say, well, give me the, the bad news first because the good news will help what? offset or overcome the bad news. Listen, news can change our day, can it not? I mean, this, the type of information that you have could sometimes change your life. It could change your outlook. Most people, when asked, 
the, this thing. They, they say, well, I want the, the good news last and the bad news first, but I'm going to give it to you a little bit different, all right? So uh, I don't mean to play light of this because this is something serious for some people, but, but there was a conversation that was taking place by a doctor, and he had asked the question, and, and this patient said, well, go ahead and give me the good news first. And so the doctor said, the good news is you've got 24 hours to live. The patient says, if that's good news, what's the bad news? He said, I was supposed to call you yesterday. Good news, bad news, right? <laughs> now, let's go ahead and go with some bad news first, all right? Some, the, the bad news is, for this one particular person, you fell out of a plane. The good news is you had a parachute, right? The bad news is the parachute broke. The good news, you're headed for a soft haystack. The bad news is there's a pitchfork in the haystack. The good news is you missed the p pitchfork. And the bad news is you missed the haystack. You know, sometimes it just find, it's, it's, it's hard to find some good things, right? I mean, you, you feel like you want to offset the bad things with good things, but, but we're looking around and we're trying to find enough good things. The enemy tries to get us to concentrate upon everything that's going wrong and not on the things that are going right. We have so many things to thank the Lord for, so many blessings, so many things that he's done. And, and I know bad news isn't fun to receive, but I want to tell you something. When that good news happens out of nowhere, I'm not sure that we get as excited as we should. I mean, how many of you have ever found $20 before that you didn't know that you had? Uh-huh, yeah, you get excited about it. You ought to tell somebody about that. You know what? I, I got excited. How many of you ever found more than 20? You found like 100 or, or $100, and you're like, whoa, I forgot that was there. No, that doesn't happen to Joel. All right, no, not at all. But anyway, you know, it, it, it's important. Uh, or or uh, uh, any students in here who, who got an A on your uh, report card, and you didn't think you were going to get an A. Any former students, right? Yeah, you say like, whoa, I scored. Excited about those. Those are, those are good news. It helps to change your, or to shape your attitude. It helps to shape your, your perspective and how you view things. Well, the angels came to proclaim on that very first Christmas some pretty good news. They said this. They said the Savior is born. And I want to go ahead and take a look at a very common passage of Scripture for this particular time of the year. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Sounds a little bit like our nativity scene, right, when, uh, when uh, that uh, beautiful narrative was uh, being read by Lisa there. So much appreciate that, that nativity. How many of you just still are thinking about the nativity and how great that was? We are receiving so many comments and compliments of people and, and, and uh, writing us and, and called us and calling some of you and telling uh, you what a difference it made in their life and their season. So, so thankful for that. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, I can't see exactly what's on the screen back there, so I'm going to turn around here, all right? I got it here, but I'm not sure why I changed my thing. Said to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and cl lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men and on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into, the heaven, and into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word 
uh, around concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Good news. Life-changing, world-altering event just took place. And guess where it was announced? In the heavenlies. It was announced in the heavenlies and to some pretty interesting individuals. I want you to think about it. Look who God chose to share this good news with first. It was not the kings and the rulers. He didn't shout it from the towers or the castles. He didn't proclaim it from the halls of the rich and the most powerful. But he shouted it from the heavenlies and the dark hillsides of Jerusalem to those who were thought to be the least. Now you might not have this idea of shepherds today. But shepherds in those particular times were thought to be untrustworthy. They were, and, and according to the law, they were ceremoniously unclean. That means they were not allowed to participate in the spiritual life and the fellowship of the Jewish people. They were unable to participate in approaching or effectively cutting them off from God. This is the ones to whom God chose to reveal this message to. To be given the responsibility be, to be proclaimers of this good news themselves. I'm not sure if you see the significance or not, but, but think about it. Those according to the law who were furthest from God are the ones to whom God announces the coming of the Savior to the world. Have you ever felt pretty low before? <laughs> Have you ever felt like, you know what, I'm the least of these? I mean, certainly, who's sees me, who knows what's going on in my life. But he says that it's good news that there will be joy for all people, including the shepherds, including the outcasts, and even including those religious leaders, if they will come down off their high horses, right? He announces to the ones who he came to save, and he says, I'm looking for those who are on the outside, those who everybody else thinks there's no opportunity to ever bring brought in. He announces it to those shepherds out in the fields. What makes this such good news? That's what we're going to talk about real quickly here today. Four different reasons that it's good news. The first thing is, it's good news because of what it is. We find in verse number 11, where the scriptures say today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. What does it mean to be a Savior? Well, we know of saving people. We know of uh, uh, lifeguards who, who rescue people from, from drowning. We know of some individuals who are in the, in the emergency field uh, and they are EMTs or paramedics and they've been, they've been used to bring people back to life when their heart quit beating. They gave them CPR or something like that. That feels like a saving measure, does it not? But this saving that we're talking about, that has been prophesied about for centuries and declared by the angels there in the heavenly, was a little bit different than what people were thinking it was. The Jews were waiting for this day for a long time. They were beaten, they were oppressed, and they were depressed because they believed that their Savior was going to relieve them from all of the oppression from the government that was over them. But instead, their Savior had come to deliver the hearts of his people. Do you understand the difference? Do you understand that, you know what? God has not put you here on earth and, and is not not set up in order to just make everything in your life go smooth. That's not his main objective. 
His main objective is to communicate to you on a level, on a heart level, not even on a head level, but on a heart level where the love that he has for you unites with the love that you have back for him. That your only reasonable response is to worship him, is to say, Lord, you are worth everything and every bit of attention that I can give to you. It was the salvation of the soul for which Jesus Christ had come. And guess what? The good news is, is that salvation had come. Anybody recipient of that today? Amen. Today, many of us find ourselves in the same position as the Jews of that day. There are circumstances and there are situations and there are issues that we are praying that God will deliver us out from underneath of. And we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and saying, Lord, if you're real and if you know what's going on, then, then deliver me. Help me get out from underneath all of this. But I want to tell you something today. I want to give you some good news, believe it or not. God is more concerned about what's happening on the inside of you than he is about what's happening on the out. He wants to know whether or not there is something arising within you. Something that's going to take you to the next day with a hope, with a joy. With the peace, he wants, you to, he wants you to be able to display a confidence in the person to whom you say that you serve, to whom you love. He's looking and he's wanting to know, is there, is there, any, is there any remorse at all for the, the, the wayward ways in which you have lived your life? The Savior has come not to restore men to where they feel they ought to be before other men, but he's come to restore them to where they ought to be before God. He's come to make a way. The Savior of the world has come to, to make a way by which you can walk hand in hand with him. To where you can stand and, and you know, aside from all the wrongs that you've ever done, guess what? When you're in his presence, he doesn't want those things to come to mind. Instead, he wants to come to mind what, he, what sacrifice that he made for you. So that when you're walking hand in hand with him and you feel sheepish and you feel ashamed and you feel like, I don't deserve this. And, and he looks at you and says, yeah, I know my child. And that's why, though, I've paid the price for you. Do you love me? Do you appreciate my gift? And if so, what are you doing in order to show that? Because that's our, our response. It was good news because... That's what the news was meant to be, the saving of our souls, the changing of our hearts. It's good news because of who it is. It's important for us to realize that uh, uh, Jesus Christ is the Lord. Not only is he the Savior, but he is Christ the Lord. The Christ literally means the anointed one or the chosen one. But the angel also attaches this word to it at the end, Lord. Now, I'm not sure what Lord means to you, but when I think about Lord, I think about I'm the servant, they're the master, I'm supposed to do what they want me to do. You are my Lord. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is, say it with me, Lord, right? What does it mean to you? Because sometimes it doesn't show up in our everyday living. Sometimes the, the chaos and the dysfunction and the, and the fear and the anxiety and being overwhelmed and the worry shows up more so than the idea that there is a Savior who came into this world to save me, to change me, to give me a confidence that He is not only my Savior, but He is my Lord. He is the very presence of God. Listen, I want you to know something. It wasn't just anybody that God was sending to the world. It was He Himself. 
The Jews were not getting an ambassador from God. They were getting God himself. Emmanuel, the word of God says. He will be called Emmanuel. That's the prophecy. Do you think they understood it? The problem is, is that we're living so far removed, so many years from then, and the oppression and the things that were going on, it's hard for us to realize what was really taking place in their hearts and minds at that time. But they were waiting. They felt isolated. They felt alone. They, they felt way over their heads. And, and then God shows up, but doesn't show up in a, in a place to where they expected him. Instead, he's wrapped in these blankets, laying in the hay in a primitive, dirty stable. Not how you would think that the king is supposed to come. But God became man in that night. And God has led us. And he continues to want to lead us. Listen, we know how he led the Israelites, right? When they were out in the desert with the pillar of fire, the cloud. We know about the Ark of the Covenant. And now he has chosen to lead us by flesh and blood of a man who came to this earth, walked upon it, went before us, lived out the way in which it should be lived, and said, guess what? Now be like me. And we look and we say, I can't do that. But really, what is it at the, at the bottom of, of what? What's, what when, when, when we say we can't? I, I, I said this a, a lot of times to a lot of young people throughout the years. Don't say can't, because can't really means you won't. When you say can't, many times it's a decision of your will as opposed to what you realize that Christ can do through you. I can't. I can't. Well, so because I can't, I don't even try. The number of occasions when I've spoken to people about different things that the Lord is calling them to do and they look at their circumstances, their pr present situation, and, and it's going to take a faith step in order for them to step out and to be able to do that, whether it be taking a missions trip or whether it be giving financially to, to something uh, in missions in, a, in another way or, or whether it be to start a ministry or whether to be a teacher class or a lead or, or to step in some area of leadership. And, and you know, people just get to that spot and they get intimidated. And they say, I can't. And I ask the question over and over again. We go over it in the growth track. We say, what is your passion? Because the area of your passion dictates probably going to be very common to the areas of your giftings. And someone might think, well, I don't have those giftings. I'm not a natural born speaker. I'm not an individual who, who wants to get up in front of people and such. But yet you have the gift of evangelism because you have the gift that, that, that in a passion for lost souls. And God wants to use you in a special way. It's so hard for us to realize that, that God's wanting us to step out and quit saying we can't. And just say, you know what? I can't by myself. I can't in my own strength. But I can with God. The word of God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that, church? All right, about 20% of you believe that. I said, do you believe that, church? That's right. We, we, we must believe the word of God. Listen, it, it's so important that you realize it isn't just anybody who came to earth and walked. It wasn't just even an angel. Though they're pretty impressive, right, as we talked about last week. An angel comes down and appears before you. But now this is God himself. But not everybody believed it. Not everybody understood it. They're like, okay, well... 
Listen, let's look here in John chapter 14, verse 80. Philip says this, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. In other words, you know these miracles you're doing? All these cool things that you're, uh, uh, you know, really wowing us with? That's pretty impressive. But are you really sent from God the Father? How about you show us the Father? How about you call him up? I want to talk to him. Can we go FaceTime with God the Father right now? Because, you know, you're saying that you are him or that you're doing these things in his name. But, you know, are you really him? And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And then he says this, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And he's like, oh, the light comes on. And then he, and Jesus goes and he reminds them. And, but in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says this. He says, he says don't, uh, don't you remember? I mean, he's just recalling upon the other time when he had said this. I and the Father are one. He'd already told them that. And now in this particular time, he's reminding them of that. How important is this? How important is it for you to realize that, that Jesus the Son is not anything less than God the Father? How important is it for you to realize that now Jesus is gone, but he has sent the Holy Spirit to be the comforter for us? How important is it for you to realize it is still God? It's essential, but guess what? We walk through our lives, and we go on, and we carry out business, and we, we take him for granted in that particular capacity. And we say, all right, Lord, if you're really here, then you will do this. And we seek the signs. We seek the wonders. Listen, I want to see those things happen, but I don't ever want to be a seeker of those things before I'm a seeker of his face. Before I'm a recognizer and appreciator of his presence who's with me wherever I go because I've asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Does that make sense to anybody here today? You see, we want to see miracles take place, but we sometimes disavow or we sometimes don't, don't, we don't respect the spirit of God that's within us. You might say, hmm, how could this be? I got good news for you. The Savior God's son Jesus is here. And in Philippians chapter 2, he tells us in every way, God himself, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be, to be grasped, but made himself nothing. God's not concerned about nothing. He's not concerned about what things look like from the human perspective. Taking on the very nature of a servant, he was made in the likeness of man. Of you and me. He knew that the questions would be posed. He knew that some people would, would say, well, if you're really him, then, you know, shouldn't you have this particular miraculous aura around you? Shouldn't you be able to levitate and float? <laughs> shouldn't you be able to just, I mean, and if the Holy Spirit is really God who is within us, how come we're not doing everything the same way in which he did it while he was walking upon the face of the earth? How many of you know that those are pretty valid questions? Sometimes haunting questions. Because then the enemy comes and he tries to convince us he's not the same today as he was yesterday. Which is in direct contradiction to the word of God. I want to tell you something. The third reason that the king is coming brings good news is because of what it brings. 
He brings joy and he brings peace. The angels tell us this good news. We'll, we'll do this, and we see here in, in the scriptures how important it is in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. His coming will bring great joy. Not the type of joy that just makes you feel happy. Some of you are going through some things right now physically. And you're in this room right now. And you're still saying, you know what? I've got a joy. People are looking at you and hearing your story. And they're wanting to console you. They're, they're expecting for you to, to go through something. And, and sometimes you've got it all together. You're walking at such a faith level that some people think, you know what? You need to let it out. You need to take off this false facade. You need, you need to take off the mask. How many of you ever know that God can give you a joy unspeakable, full of glory? Amen. He can put it in you no matter what you're going through. But, you know, we pray for people, and then we don't expect for the answer to come. How could you be so joyful? You're not being real right now. You don't really realize what's going on. You don't realize your losses. No, it's just that my joy is in him. My joy is in these three things. Take a look at them with me. The assurance that I am acceptable to God. Listen, that brings me joy. To be able to know that, that this assurance that God's providences are working on my behalf. He is a Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If I don't have the things that I think that I need, then maybe I don't need them. Uh oh. <laughs> have some of us considered that? Have some of us pondered that? Have we looked at what somebody else has and compared ourselves and said, certainly I'm as deserving of those things as what they are? Well, guess what? I have joy because God provides for me. I have joy because I understand the indescribable ecstasy of being loved unconditionally. No matter how many times I fall down, no matter how many times I mess up, listen, it gives me great joy to just be riding at this other level. I mean, I, you, can, you can literally go on cruise control when you get in the right zone with the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? You push that button and you just go. It's like, you know what? You're safe because you're not worried about speeding. You got cruise control on. You're not going to go too fast. You got God is in control. He's not just the co-pilot. He's the pilot. It's not about happiness. We're not always going to be happy as you serve the Lord. But you can always be joyful. You can always do what the, what the Apostle Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The psalmist said this. Why, O soul, are you cast down? goes through and begins to count those things. The second thing that the angels proclaimed was peace. And there in our scripture verse, we see it where he says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Who was it for? Now we'll get to that in a minute, but all, everybody. It wasn't just a political peace. That's what they were waiting for. They wanted an end to their suffering, their oppression. But his coming back made a difference. It brought to us peace between me and God. Isn't that the greatest place? He says in his word, he says, while you were still yet an enemy of the cross, he gave his life for us. You think, I was never his enemy. <laughs> Oops, hit, hit a button there. <laughs> 
See, you feel that darkness? I wasn't once his enemy. <laughs> you didn't know it right then. But you were in utter darkness. And he brought you into the light. You ought to be peaceful about that, all right? Yeah. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, the Lord aspect of that. The same is true for our sins. Jesus came back and he stepped in between us and God. And he is waving not a flag of surrender. Not a flag of being overwhelmed. This is not a wife. It's a flag of peace. It's like, hey, we got it over here. How many of you want it over there? <laughs> Come on. Come on over and be on our team and experience peace. And, and the peace is a little bit different than what you're thinking about because it's shaped in the, it, it, it takes on the shape of a cross. You're like, oh, that looks like death. I ain't going that way. You want me to sign up so that I can do this? That means I have to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow him daily, and you think that's going to bring me peace? I'm thinking about all the anxiety about it already. That's where our flesh goes. But not so with God. For in our relationship with God, there's something that happens within our soul. He says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's that quiet assurance that while God is permissive in the sense that lets us make decisions for a fully surrendered life to God of people who wanting to do things to bring him glory and honor, guess what? You can say God's in control. Now, when you run out of gas on the side of the road because you didn't put gas in it, all right, you don't blame that on God and say, well, God's in control. You, you, you get that, all right? When you, when you take out too much debt... You borrow too much money and you're in over your head and you can't pay your bills. You can't say, well, God's in control. He's got it. Does that make sense to everybody? You understand this, all right? But when you do things God's way, when you put him first, when you bring your tithe into the storehouse and you do the offerings and you, and, and you, and you follow him and you treat people, you turn the other cheek or you give them the other, the coat when, you know, they ask you to walk one mile, you walk two miles, you, 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 you be like Jesus. And you say, Lord, I'm trusting for you to be in charge now. Trusting for you to be in control. And the remarkable part about it is even when we don't do those things, he has a way of hitting the reset button. And coming back and saying, yeah, you can't blame this on me because you got in your situation because of the decisions you made. But guess what? I am in control and I can bring you out. If all you have to do is lift up your hands and say, cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Does that make sense to everybody here today? Listen, our last thing is this. It's good news because of who it's for. The angel gave the shepherds and us who was receiving it this good news. And it was intended for them, but it was intended for, for, for two parts. First of all, we need to understand. Listen, he says, I will bring you great joy, all right? News of great joy that will be for, say it with me, all the people. All the people. We already talked about the shepherds. But what people today 
do not feel like they're good candidates in order to receive the love of God? What individuals have things going on in their life right now? They know they can't bring themselves to act and to do the, way, the things the way that they know that they should. And you know what? We're not helping them in many cases. Because we're telling them, well, you, you just need to quit doing this and you're going to be okay. How many of you know that a sinner who is sinning cannot quit sinning unless there's a miraculous working of the Holy Spirit in their life? The Bible says the more law that you give, law brings death, but grace brings life. Grace doesn't say you can just do whatever you want to do and it's going to be okay. But it shows the sinfulness. It shows, it shows the, the, the manifestation of grace in your life shows how undeserving actually that you are. Because you received God's riches at Christ's expense. But we somehow get it backwards. And we have this message to the world and, and they're not feeling the joy. They're not feeling the peace. Instead, many times, and maybe some in here today are feeling the condemnation. Feeling like I'll never measure up. Feeling like I really can't make a difference. I want to tell you something today. God says that he has great news for you. Good news of great joy for you and for all people. He did not come for the rich. He did not come for the religious and the overachievers. He came for all his creation. He started it out with the lowly shepherd men. And then he took a group of people. They probably weren't even as God-fearing at all as far as in the Magi. And has them show up two years later. And, oh, yeah, let us reaffirm here who this child is. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be this or that before God will accept us. We simply have to accept his gift and bow our hearts before him. And when we do that, it's good news to everybody. Because when other people are walking around realizing that they've been set free from the curse of sin and death, all of a sudden we start to treat each other better. We want to make the, play, the world a better place? The answer is Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today. <laughs> I want you to see what happened here. What, what happens is when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to him, to them. I mean, they heard the good news. And what did they do? They immediately started sharing it with everybody else. They understood the privilege that there was with being an ambassador of God. Now, this is an event that took place some 2,000 years ago. I can see why we've now, I've lived for 50 years plus, and I've heard about this Christmas story over and over again. And, you know, for me who's grown up in the church and, and such, I mean, it, it could become old hat. It could become just a traditional thing. But when we have to, when we sense that happening, we need to be intentional about helping others to realize it's fresh stuff. It's fresh news. Sometimes we make the mistake of trying to analyze things too much. We try to decide for ourselves who this gift is for and whether or not they're ready to receive it. I'm waiting for exactly the right moment. I'm going to share it with so-and-so when I know that they're ready. Right now, that you know what? I may share it with them, and it might turn them off. I heard a wise pastor say many, many years ago and many, many, many times since, 
He says it's pretty hard to shut something off, to flip a slight switch off that's already off. Ain't that right, Pastor Aiken? <laughs> Something's off. They're already dark. Now, I, now, I'm not talking about being an irritant to them. I'm not talking about being antagonistic. I'm talking about you living in a manner of way that you go ahead and present the news. It's good news. It can bring you great joy. It can bring you great peace. And I'm here to tell you about it. But you know what? Just go ahead and stay where you're at in your misery. Go ahead and stay where you're at in your dysfunction. Go ahead and stay where you're at in your chaos as you see how I'm experiencing the joy and the peace and the life abundantly. Now that ought to make a difference in people's lives when it's happening. If there's no joy, though, and if there is no peace, and if there is no difference in us or them, then why would they ever want to follow us? Friends, this is supposed to be good news to all people. We sing about it. We talk about it. We thank God for it. And then we go into the world that desperately needs to hear this good news. And too many times we keep it to ourselves. I want to learn from the shepherds this morning. I want to boldly proclaim this to everybody that I come into contact with. There is hope for you. And the reason I can know that is because of this very last thing, and that is this, that there is hope for me. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and go ahead and just give him a touch on the side there and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> a Savior has been born to you. It's important for you to realize this. It, it, he is the Christ, the Lord, to me. It, it, nothing will change in your life until you make it personal. Young people that are in here today, listen. Your parents, they could be the most godly, upstanding persons. They could be doing everything right. But one day you're going to have to say, I am serving God because of the personal relationship that I have with him, because of what he has done for me. And you don't ever have to go out and sample the world to know that he is the best choice out there. Let me tell you that. Amen? You can, there's all kinds of bad news. There's all kinds of bad examples out there. You can see people who's had the greatest of riches and wealth and, and the most popularity, and you can see all kinds of disappointment and disarray in their lives. You don't have to travel down that path. God is not wanting to come into your heart to make your life miserable. That's not what I'm saying to you today. He's given you good news of great joy and peace that passes all understanding. And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. So it doesn't matter what family you were born into. It has no, no difference if you were baptized as an infant or as a 7, 8, or 12-year-old. What matters is what you're doing for God today. The Bible says this will be the proof that will be in the pudding. How you have love for one another will testify to other people to the significant relationship that you have with Christ yourself. Listen, Jesus Christ has given us access to God, and it's so important for us to realize that we can live every single opportunity, and that we should take every single opportunity and live it for him. Does that make sense to everybody today? Praise team, I want you to come if you would. There's these things out there in the world in which we live. And, um, and in many cases, I choose the 
the generic things over the brand names when it comes to certain foods and it comes to, you know, medicines and things like that uh, and such like that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The, the, you got generic type and then you got the brand names. But there are some things that just cannot be substituted. All right? Now, I'm not eating many of them today, but when I used to eat a lot of Pop-Tarts, you could not substitute another toaster pastry for a Pop-Tart. Pop-Tart was the brand. Hostess cupcakes. Nothing beat them until, you know, some, uh, I don't know, but it, it, they, they were it. You know what I'm saying? There was no substitute. And it's maybe whatever way you grew up, whatever way you was introduced to uh, on certain things. But, but too many times we try to just accept the generic when we've got to have the real deal. And when it comes to God, when it comes to relationship with him, the only thing that will pass the mustard is the real deal, amen? You've got to have a real relationship with Christ. And really, believe it or not, whether or not you have a real relationship is being shown on a daily basis by the way you respond to him. Or you don't. You see, too many of us are calm and reserved, and I'm like that. They call me low-key, believe it or not. And we just kind of going through life and kind of just letting life happen, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be intentionally looking to be difference makers. And I want to just spur you on this morning as we examine and evaluate our own relationship with the Lord, am I making a difference in my life right now? With the information that I have about this good news, <laughs> it's good news, right? Because of what it is, because of who it is, because of what it brings, and also because of who it's for. I've got the message. I want to tell somebody about it. How about you? I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes in this place. Before you could tell somebody about it, you've got to receive it yourself. You've got to receive this message. You've got to receive this good news and say, Lord, I recognize what a mess up that I've been. But I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to Help me to live life with a purpose. I'm asking for you, Lord, to forgive me and to, and I promise to live for you, to help me to live for you. I need you, Lord, to, to convince me that what the price you paid on the cross was for me. I'm thanking you, Lord, right now for giving me faith to believe that because I can't even do it in my own ability. Your word says, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will draw me. Maybe some people are sensing him drawing you right now. Are you feeling drawn to the Lord? Are you feeling like, God, I need you. I need to come out from underneath the pressure of the, of the guilt of 
disappointing you, disappointing others. I need you, Lord, to save me. I need to walk in confidence.